Blog Talk Radio. Devil, that's all. 
it wants to um he always doing stuff like this, but we don't I don't pay any attention to him. I just keep right on going and just do what God has called me to do, and that is uh to 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 teach and 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 preach this gospel. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about what we're doing tonight and what our mission is tonight. Um I'm doing several things at one time. So just, you know, bear with me until I get my bearings a little bit um, on everything because it's, as usual, um, this this technology. One of these days you guys are going to come say to me, you know, we're tired of you, Pastor, um, fumbling around with technology. We just want you free to teach. And so what we're going to do is we're going to come and we're going to take care of all that for you. Now, let me just give you a little thing, a little bit of what we're doing right now. Uh, number one, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to do this study in three parts. Part one is where we embark tonight, and the title of part one, part one, and part one I'll be teaching this from tonight and through November the 18th, and that is the Commission, Community Life, and Complications in Act. The second part, I'll start teaching just after Thanksgiving on November the 30th through February the 7th, and it's, it's entitled, The Doors of the Church Are Open. And then finally, we'll end up on uh, we'll, uh, uh, February 28th through May the 9th to the othermost parts of the world. So we'll, te- uh, we'll teach this in three parts, and between each segment, there'll be a two-week break. The other thing that's different from what we used to do is um, we will begin uh, on time as always, but the class will last for 30 minutes. So I'll be teaching for roughly 30 minutes, and then after that, there's a 15 for 15 minutes. What will happen is um, you guys will be able to ask questions, make comments. Um, I'll give answers if necessary. And kind of converse with each other, um, but what? But, and so that way, the total class will last roughly about forty-five minutes. Now, I'll tell you up front that if during that fifteen-minute time period um, that there are no questions, there's no comments or anything, then I'm going to shut it down. I'll shut the fifteen minutes down. Uh, I'll try because I'm not going to overteach. Uh, that's one of the things that we discussed um, before that that sometimes there was just way, way too much information. And I understand that because I've researched and I'm teaching and preaching all the time, and so I just get carried away. So with that said, let's talk about Acts. Oh, excuse me. Nope, let's not talk about Acts. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. And as we come tonight, we ask that you would do something for us. First of all, we ask that you would take this class over, that you, the, the, the ruler of the powers of the air right now are messing with signals on Facebook Live, and they're messing with, with uh, uh, the computers and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm asking you to do something for me. I'm asking you to stay the hand of the devil. And then the second thing I'm asking you to do, Father, is to open up the eyes of our understanding, open our ears, that we may hear from you what thus saith the Spirit of God. Lord, we we recognize as disciples that sometimes we just don't hear. We don't get it. And because of that, we need your help. So we ask that you would 
that you would just help us tonight, that you would come in and that you would just minister to us. Strengthen me as your vessel that I might serve you, that I might bring glory unto you. And then strengthen those who are uh, out there right now listening and learning, that they might learn that they might learn of you and draw closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts. In order to really understand Acts, the thing the one thing that you have to do is you have to understand the circumstances of Acts. You, we begin by asking the question, why did Luke write this letter? What is the purpose of Acts? And we find the purpose of Acts in a couple of ways. First of all, let's talk about the history that surrounds Acts. We know that Acts was written sometime between 60 and 80. And during that time, if you look at what was going on around uh, uh, um, the areas that Paul is going to minister in, what's going on in Jerusalem, uh, what's going on in Rome, what we find out is that this is not a very good time for Christians. Christians are suffering persecution from a number of different areas. First of all, they're being persecuted by the Jews. Because remember, it is a combination of the Jews and, 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 and Rome who conspire and kill Jesus and crucify him. They are trying to put down this so-called movement uh, and the reason why they're trying to do it is because they think that it's pure heresy. They think that this is, this is a false religion and it is going to get them into some trouble with Rome. It is upsetting the status quo. Uh, it's taking away their prestige. It's taking away their rule. And because of it, the Jews are against it. Now, the Pharisees are against it simply because they are the keeper of the law. And so they don't understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. All they know is that this don't look right. We don't sign off on it. And since we don't sign off on it, we don't want nothing to do with it. The Sadducees are against it simply because they are the, aristocracy, and they are in power, and their power comes from their wealth and from Rome, and they're not letting anybody mess with their money. So, and then you've got these people that, they, they, this upstart ragtag band who's coming along and causing problems. Then, also during this time period, there also, there's also a problem with Rome because you've got to deal with Herod and the rest of the emperors that come along during this time. Specifically, during the time that this is written, and we say that it's sometime between 60 and 80, and that's, you know, some people say that it can go back as far as 50 and to 150, but 
what we really pinpointed down is between that time between 60 and 80. And so that's the way I'm going to teach it. Um, what's going on doing between 60 and 80? Well, again, from the time of Jesus up until this time, you have a series of emperors, and those emperors want worship, and Christians refuse to worship anyone but God. And so the Jews are, are, are coming at them the wrong way, and the uh, uh, Rome is viewing them the wrong way, and so there's this constant persecution because they keep to themselves, they obey the rules, but when it comes to participation in Jewish worship or participation in, in excuse me, not Jewish worship, but in different styles of worship, they want nothing of it. Now, one emperor in particular will come into view, and he is the one that really, really uh, causes Christians problems, and that's Nero. Nero ascends to the throne in about 54 AD, and in 64 AD, there's a fire in Rome that some say Nero started. This fire was so severe that there's 14 districts in, in Rome, and of the 14 districts, 10 are burned completely to the ground. Nero blames the Christians for um, starting the fire. And, because, and so he begins a real persecution of Christians. So it's all about this persecution that goes on that causes, that we think is one of the causes that, that, that Luke is going to write. Luke Acts, because Luke writes Luke, that the first part is Luke, and then the second is Acts, and it's really a two-volume set. And, it's, and some people say it's history, others will look at the theology, but the, the point that I need to make here and the point that I'm stressing is that the activities that surround the writing will, it will, will give us a certain point of view as to what is being written and the purpose of it. So, again, we, what we, what it's written around in the early 60s, and if you know your Bible history, you know that, you know, the fire in 64, and then in 70, Vespian comes along, and he burns down Jerusalem. So you have this big fire in Rome. You have these this, the rebellion that's going on in Jerusalem that comes around 70, and in 70, what Jesus prophesied uh, before he died concerning Jerusalem, that the temple would be torn down, that the city would be ransacked. Uh, and he prophesies and he says, oh, that you, you hope that you're not pregnant. You hope that you don't have to take your flight in the winter because this city is going to burn. This temple is going to be destroyed. And that prophecy is fulfilled in 70. So all of these things are happening around Acts. Now, Let's get to the purpose of his writing. And to, to see the purpose of why, he, why Luke writes Acts, let's turn over to um, Luke chapter 1. And turn, to me, turn over there right now. And then, because, again, what you're going to see is a clean handoff tonight, and I want to get, I want to get there right away. Luke chapter 1.
And Luke chapter one tells us the purpose of him of 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 Luke writing the Gospel of Luke and Acts. He says right here, Luke chapter one verse one. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Look at what he says here. He says, I'm, it's up to me to, um, to come up with an orderly account. And secondly, it is, it is, it is I'm trying to do, again, ooh, this is just bugging me when this happens, but it's happening. Um, but secondly, what we want to talk about is the fact that um, I want to set out an orderly account. That's the first thing. And secondly, he wants Luke to have, or Theopolis, to be certain of the things that he's been taught. So here's what we can surmise from that, that in this environment of persecution, this person, Theopolis, who we believe to be a Greek aristocrat who has turned to God, uh, he might be a God-fearer. And then again, we actually think that he is someone who has accepted Jesus. And who knows, he may even be running a house church. We don't know. But his purpose is... Luke's purpose is to reassure him that the things that he has been taught, the things that he has been taught, to be, he is to be certain of them. Now, let's move over to Acts real quick. Um, Acts chapter 1, and I want to show you how the continuation of this. In Acts chapter 1, he picks up after he's, after he's finished with Luke, and he says, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, so there is the, there's the transition. There's the transition that he makes into, from Luke to Acts. Now, before we go further, let's talk about um, what, this, 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 what, what happened prior to, just real briefly, what happened prior to Luke writing this. And to do that, 
go to um, uh, Luke chapter 24, the very, very last chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 24, and I asked you guys to read this chapter so we can make a very, very smooth transition over in the Acts. I'm going to – Jesus, we all know about his resurrection. And you can read uh, Luke chapter 20 – you can look, read Luke chapter 23 and 24, crucifixion, resurrection. And I don't, I don't want to take the time uh, tonight to go into that. That's why I asked you to read Luke chapter 24 prior to this class. Um, you know that he meets Peter and another disciple on the road to Emmaus. And then after that, he begins to open their minds and teach them what the script, the fulfillment of the scriptures, how he is the fulfillment all of the prophecies that we see that we that we see in what we call the Old Testament that he fulfills them all that he is the Messiah he has told them this before and they didn't get it and now he's showing them through the scriptures he's proving to them that he's the Messiah and something happens all of a sudden they look uh, they've been walking on the Emmaus Road with him all this time, and he's been teaching, and all of a sudden they see him in a different light. And they see this is Jesus, and he disappears. Now, I want to pick up the reading at um, 2436. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So, first of all, even though these are the disciples that have walked with him for three years, even though they've seen the miracles, even though he, they saw him die, they know him to be dead, they know about the empty tomb, Peter especially, and John, they know about the empty tomb, they've been with the master 
and they're still unconvinced of his resurrection until their minds are opened, until they actually receive the revelation of Jesus. And at that point, he says, and you're going to be my witnesses. You are witness of this. I have shown myself to you. I have opened up your mind. So what does this mean to us? All of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, all who have the revelation of Jesus, all who have the revelation to the point of confession, can witness what Jesus has done in our life. No, we haven't seen him, but we've experienced him. We know what he has done in our life. We know what he has, how he has, as they say, how he's changed us. We know about the transformation both inwardly and outwardly of our life. And so we can witness to that. Let me stop right there for a second, and then I want to push a little bit further uh, on, that, on that because I, 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 can, I can go the rest of the night on that, and I don't want to do that. I want to stay in Acts. I want to get to Acts, rather. So we just read verses 1 through 4. We saw the transition because now in Luke he tells them what he says um, to, to wait because I'm going to send you what I promised. Look, I want you to look at something. Uh, um, Jesus has a purpose and uh, for us as witnesses, and the purpose is that we should reveal to the world that Jesus is alive. Secondly, our purpose is that we are supposed to convey the message of repentance and forgiveness. Verse 48 says, you're witnesses. And verse 49 promises that we will be clothed with power. That's the King James Version. It says, wait until you are clothed with power from on high. So when we get over into Acts chapter 1, it gives us some more information that for 40 days now he's been teaching, he's been appearing to the disciples and others. So it's no, it's no hidden thing that Jesus, that Jesus himself has been resurrected from the dead. That he is alive. And, and you know what? I think so often we're so far removed from the resurrection that we don't pay enough attention to it and we don't preach the resurrected Jesus. We don't preach that he's alive, even though he's alive in us. And that's the story that we have to tell. We look crazy saying that Jesus is alive. Yeah, we know he crucified, but he is alive. How do you know he's alive? He lives in me. And even as I say that to you tonight, right now, you're probably looking at me and you're thinking, yeah, how that sound? That sounds crazy. But it's truth. And because we know that it happened to us, we can freely. We don't have to know the Romans Road. We don't have to, have to know a whole bunch of scripture. All we have to do is testify to what has happened to us. we just like that blind man when Jesus healed him and they began to question him. What did he say? He said, look, I don't know how he did it, but all I know is this. I once was blind, but now I see. 
And we can testify. I used to sin. I used to lie. I used to be this. I used to be that. But I've been forgiven. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't know what he did. I don't know when he did it. I don't know how he did it. But I don't lie like I used to lie. No. I don't do what I used to do. I ain't mean and hateful as I used to be. I'm not perfect. But Jesus is working something out in my life that allows me to testify. No, I didn't go to no 12 steps. All I know is he, uh, once I used to drink a fifth of, of, of Jack Daniels every day, and now he even took the taste out of my mouth. That's our testimony. That's how we can tell. This is how it, the, the love of God was imparted to me through Jesus, the forgiveness of God was imparted to me, and this is what I got to tell you, Jesus did it. That's our testimony. That is our testimony. Let me go further. So, and that's, I'm 28 minutes into this, and I haven't even touched it. Ooh-wee. It says, look at verse 5. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The promise of God is the bapt uh, of, of that He talks about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a fulfillment of prophecy that goes back to the Old Testament in the Book of Joel. Turn back there real quick. Go to Joel. Chapter 2, verse uh, 28, I believe it is. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, go over to, in the New Testament, go to Luke chapter 3. This is God in the Old Testament promising to pour out his spirit on sons and daughters, old and young, free and slave, all of them, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm having trouble here, but I'm going to keep going, um, trying to go live. Now, John chapter 3, verse 16, oh, excuse, no, Luke chapter 3, excuse me. I'll start reading that verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, 
to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So here we find John, John the Baptist, saying that he, that Jesus is the one that's going to usher in the Holy Spirit. So if we go back to Acts now, back to Acts, and I'm just trying to, you know, just give you the proof. So when they met together, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom to Israel? Now what's really important to them still, after all they've seen, after all that they've experienced, after they have the mandate to be witnesses, to be witnesses and to preach repentance and forgiveness, they are still hung up on the restoration of Israel. Now, the restoration of Israel it basically means restoring Israel to being a world power. They're going all the way back to the time of David and Solomon when Israel controlled everything on the Sinai Peninsula. Syria wasn't a problem. Rome wasn't a problem. There was nobody a problem. Israel ran it by the power of God. And, and they had long looked for, after years of persecution, after being in bondage to the Assyrians, after being in bondage to the Babylonians, the Persians and the Medes, and, and then here comes the Greeks and, the, and then Rome, all of those uh, nations that were predicted by Daniel, okay, by Daniel, remember Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and that big old statue that, that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about and Daniel interprets the dream? These are all the nations that have ruled Israel. And now Israel has been long waiting for deliverance by the Messiah, and he, Jesus has proved that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is the one who brings deliverance. And they ask him in this, in this passage right here, when are, is, is now the time when, when we're coming back to power? Do we not have the White House and the Senate? Will, will we get the White House, the Senate, uh, and, and, and the Congress? Are we Democrats going to run it finally? This is essentially what he's saying. And Jesus basically answers them. He said to them, verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Therein is the mission of the church, to be the witnesses of Jesus as Messiah, to be a witness of what the resurrected Jesus has done in your life and in witnessing about what Jesus did for you, the deliverance that he brought to, to, to you, that you can also share with the world. Repentance, 
and forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. That's your mission. That's the mission of the church. That is the mission of the body of Christ. And he says that we will receive the power to do that. Wow. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So now we've got a second promise. First of all, we've got the promise of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what Jesus tells us, has, has commanded us to do. The second promise is that Jesus will return. So they, these men say, so why, these angels are basically saying, then why are y'all standing here looking? Y'all better get to doing what he told you to do. He'll be back. The promise that he is going to return. Remember what he says over in John? He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus ascends to heaven to prepare the place for us. Jesus ascends to heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus ascends to heaven, and now he takes on an intercessory role, They're forever interceding for us. But what does he do? He finished his work on the earth. And in Acts chapter 1, what we see is him finishing the work that the Father has given him and then handing the work over to us. He's been our example. He's shown us that it is by God's power that he's been able to do these things, that, he had, that him and the Father are one, and now he says, now you do it. And I'm going to, uh, this is your job on earth, and I'm going to give you the power to do it. That's what this, these passages are telling us, that it's now our responsibility, our privilege to join God in mission, to accept the mission of God. We have been commissioned as witnesses. But first he tells us to wait. Wait and receive the power. The power of the Holy Spirit. The wonderful thing about God is he don't send you out and, and, he doesn't, and, and, and without equipment. And the thing that we can look forward to is that he's coming back Again, Let me finish this last little bit and then we'll quit for the night. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present... Okay, there we go. That 
was me. That was the this, this, this sound that says, you have overstayed your time. Remember I said about 30 minutes? Well, that was me saying, that was my time, and my time is up. But I'm going to finish this. I'm going to cheat tonight. And if you've got a question, you can call me. If I can ever get this thing to work, you can call me tonight. I mean, this has been just a nightmare, a technological nightmare. I've never seen anything like this. It has just been something else. My goodness. I don't normally have this many problems, but let's just keep going. I'm going to finish this chapter, okay, because I've still got a few more minutes. Um, then they, uh, verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and says, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field where he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so that they called the field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So what they do is, number one, they go into a period of prayer. And then secondly, they say that they have searched the scriptures, and they see that, that someone must take his place. So they cast, they pray, they cast lots. And Matthias is the one that is chosen to take the place of Judas Iscariot, who dies. This is, the, this is what's going on during what we think is roughly about the 10-day period. Because remember, 40 days he's there, he leaves. 50th day is Pentecost. So during that time period... Where they're, stay, where they're told to stay in Jerusalem, they are in prayer with one another as they wait 
for the promise of the Father. They wait for the fulfillment of Joel 2.28. They wait for the fulfillment that you see all throughout the Gospels where Jesus promises that he is going to send the Comforter, the Paraclete, the one who walks alongside, the one who will lead them into all truth, the one who will give them power. This is what they're waiting on. So what did we learn tonight? Well, first of all, we learned that Jesus showed himself in a very, very visible way, and he opened their hearts and their minds up to receive him. He's done that with us. If he hasn't done that with you, 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 you now know. And, he, and you can pray and you can ask God, Lord, show yourself to me. Show yourself to me because I want to belong to you. The other thing that we learned is that he is going to give us power from on high to be his witnesses, to preach his word, to bring repentance to all mankind. Because that's the promise of God. It is not just for Israel. It is to bring mankind, his creation, back to him. And later on we'll show you some things in the Old Testament that, that, show, that, that proves this out. Also there's John 3.16 off the top of my head. For God so loved the world. Not for God so loved Israel, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the And then finally, we learn that we can be in mission with God. That our commission is to be in mission with the Father. It's up to us to answer that. Our commission is to be in mission with God. Okay, that's enough for tonight. And oh, last thing. Again, the circumstances, persecution. The circumstances of the writing, persecution. John wants us to know that what we have been taught is true. So that's the purpose of Luke and Acts. But now Jesus has gone back home. He's gone back to heaven. And it is up to us to carry the ball, to move it forward, to convince, not convince, excuse me, but to share with men and women, boys and girls, that Jesus died for our sins. Now he has, and that he has been uh, uh, resurrected. He's resurrected in us. Yeah. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you, to bless you, to praise you, to give you the glory. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. Oh, how we thank you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we bless you. Father, you are just wonderful. 
Help us, O God, to complete your mission, to accept your mission and faithfully complete it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, well, that's it. Um, I'm sorry that we had such a, um, a, a yucky time with, um, with our videos tonight. Uh, and hopefully what you'll do is you will pick this up on, um, on our YouTube channel and, um, and, and meet us next week for Chapter 2 uh, of Acts. Be blessed and have a wonderful, wonderful day. God bless you. Mm-hmm.